Amen. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor Emmanuel Figueroa, and I want to welcome you to our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, it's going to be an awesome night. Um, if you've been following us, you know, through the book of Galatians, you'll know that uh, there's been a jam-packed full of, 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 of power, you know, in these couple of chapters. And so I believe that the Lord is going to continue uh, as we uh, jump into chapter 3. Tonight we're in Galatians chapter 3. But we, but before we begin, why don't we go ahead and start off with prayer. Okay, so why don't we go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. And let's go ahead and pray. Amen. Thank you for this time of Bible study. I ask you, Father, that you would anoint your servant to deliver your word, Father, with clarity and with understanding, Lord. I ask uh, for your word, Heavenly Father, to land on fertile ground, Lord, that it would take deep root and would produce fruit, bringing you all the glory, all the honor, for you alone, God, are worthy, Father. And have your way tonight in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And let all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you've been following us uh, throughout this time in Galatians, uh, remember that in chapter one, uh, our pastor, our senior pastor, Josh uh, Canales, you know, uh, shared us a message, an awesome message. Um, and we learned that Paul was was astonished, right? He was astonished that the Galatians were, were turning so quickly to another uh, so-called gospel, right? It was a different gospel uh, from the true gospel brought by Paul. He, he pronounces a curse on them, right? For a curse on anyone uh, teaching a distorted or a perverted gospel. And he expresses that there is no other gospel but the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 2, remember that Pastor Kevin brought a powerful message on, on crucial confrontation. Amen? Where, where, where we see the confrontation between Paul and Peter. And, he, and, 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 they, and they talk about the issue of importance of, of living free in Christ. Amen? Not, not being hypocritical in our walk. Right? So we learn that it's good to have friends that we're accountable to. It's good to have friends that can when we're off track. Right? That can, that, can, that can check us when we're off track. Right? But it's good to have friends that can gently restore us. Amen? So praise God. Praise God. Now tonight, we're going to continue our Bible study in chapter 3. So if you could open up your Bibles to chapter 3 of Galatians, and I would like to place my focus on verses 1 through 14. So open up your Bibles. If you have your Bibles or if you have your, your you know, on your phones or your tablets, go ahead and open it up. And as you're doing that, I want to share uh, a, a story with you, a story that I read that I thought was pretty good that could pertain to this message. Amen. So the story that I read was about a, a guy who was a tightrope walker he's a guy that used to love to walk over tight ropes and his name was charles blondin i hope i'm pronouncing that right and it, and in that story it says that like back in in 1859 um he was in niagara falls okay he traveled to niagara falls where he stretched out you know this three inch wire over the gorge okay and there suspended on the wire he walked 1100 feet all the way across okay he walked all the way across, you know, to the other side. Now, he did this a number of times. He was like a like a daredevil, if you will, okay? Because each time that he walked across that line, it's like he was always trying to push the envelope. He was always trying to make it a little bit more dangerous, make it suspenseful for the people that were watching, okay? At one time, 
he walked across blindfolded. I mean, imagine that, walking blindfolded across Niagara Falls. That's crazy. But another time, he walked across pushing a wheelbarrow. <laughs> That's even nuttier, right? Another time, he, 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 he walked across on stills. The craziest one, I think, so far is that he walked across and halfway he sat down and he cooked up an omelet and he ate it. Ain't that crazy? That's crazy. Okay. Another time he was standing on a chair with only one leg on the rope. Okay. But that's not all. He also carried a man on his back over that tight rope. Now that man was his manager. I mean, this guy really must have trusted Charles with his life, right? I don't think I could do that. Imagine this big boy right here being carried, carried across a tight rope. That, that, that rope would probably snap. But this guy trusted Charles with his life, and he allowed him to walk him across that tight rope. But imagine if halfway across, this manager would have told him, I appreciate you that you've taken me this far, but now I don't trust you no more. Right? I think, I think I could do the rest by myself, so just let me down right here, and I'll take it from here. Can you imagine what would happen if, if, if this would have happened? This guy would be a dead man. Having been carried that far, why would he even think to ask this guy, right, to let him down so that he could do the rest by himself? That's crazy. That's ridiculous. And so that's what we find here in this passage that we're about to read in chapter 3 of Galatians, we see Paul, <clears throat> excuse me, addressing the, 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 the same thing. Amen. So why don't we go ahead and open up our Bibles and let's go ahead and start with, with the Galatians, starting from Galatians 3, starting with chat, I mean with verse 1. He says, You foolish Galatians. Oh, wow, oh, oh, what a way to start off, huh? He says, You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So we see here Paul gets very direct. He gets very severe with them. I mean, he starts off, man, are you foolish? Right? Because he could hardly believe what the Galatians were doing. He could hardly believe what they'd done. He was asking them, why are you no longer embracing and enjoying the simplicity, the simplicity of salvation, which is found in Christ, right? He says that he had taught them the truth with clarity. Now, when, when I read this, when he says that he taught them with clarity, I imagine a time when we were back in the sanctuary. How many remember when we were back in the sanctuary, right, and joining our, our indoor services? Right? We'll do that again pretty soon. Praise the Lord. But but I imagine Paul, right? I imagine I imagine us being back in the in the in the sanctuary where when our pastors would preach, us in the media department, we'd be in the back and we'd we'd be flashing images on the screen. Right? 
Those images will flash on the screen in order to to bring, to help bring clarity, to help drive a point, right? That our pastors were bringing in their messages. So I can see, I can imagine here when Paul says that he taught the, the truth with clarity. Shoot, I could imagine him throwing up his own slides, bringing clarity to the people of Galatia, right? Teaching them about the about the the, the truth of the death and the resurrection of Christ and what it meant. He taught them with clarity. But the fact that he has to address them the way that he did, it tells me that they weren't continuing to follow in that truth, right? So Paul was pretty direct. He was severe, right? Because they shifted from believing in the death and resurrection of Christ, right, for salvation, to believing that they must obey the law, to believing that they had to be circumcised in order for them to be fully saved. So in other words, what they were saying is that Jesus plus law equals salvation. Ain't that crazy? That was illogical. That was that was crazy, right? Because by them believing that, they were implying that the death of Christ, or should I say Christ dying, was for, was for nothing. That's what it was implying. So he was seeing that they were showing a lack of spiritual sense. So call, I mean, I'm sorry, so Paul calls them foolish. Now, when he when he calls them foolish, that word foolish, that Greek word, it doesn't mean that they're mentally deficient, right? But it suggests that it's the behavior of someone who is intelligent, someone who is smart, someone who's got everything up here. Right? It suggests that someone that is smart, that's not using their intelligence, right? They're not using it to perceive the truth. That's why he calls them foolish. But not only does he call them foolish, he sarcastically tells them, Who bewitched you? It's like him saying, Man, somebody came in and and and, and threw a spell on you, man. He said, Who cast that evil spell on you? Who who came in with a pocket watch, man, and started to hypnotize you? So he starts to clown him. He sarcastically tells him, man, you guys have been bewitched, man. He was not questioning their, questioning their intelligence, but their lack of discernment. Amen? Because they were being fooled by arguments that they, that they should have been able to refute. So Paul starts to remind them again about the truth. And my question to all of us is, how much do we need to be reminded about the truth? How many times do we have to be reminded about the truth? We live in a time where false doctrine is being pushed everywhere. And it continues trying to creep into the church. We live in a time where now more than ever, we have free access to God's word. We have it in many different formats. We have it in many different languages, in many different translations and so on, right? And we see here that the Galatians were not following through the through with studying, you know, what they were taught. And so today, many of us are not studying, are not reading God's word. We're not following through with what we've been taught. And we need to do that. We need to study the word of God. I mean, it's, it's imperative. It's imperative that we meditate and study on God's Word. I, I personally believe that, that there are two reasons why we need to study God's Word. One is to know Him. We have to know God. We have to know His character, who He is, what He's done. We have to know Him. But another one is so that we're not easily deceived by false teachings. 
uh, I don't know if you remember the Bereans, right? The Bereans, man, they study the scriptures. We read about that in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Let me read that for you. It says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. The Bereans, man, they, they lived in the scriptures. They studied it. As a matter of fact, they wouldn't even take Paul's, Paul's message at face value. Nah. These people will have noble character. Why? Because one, their willingness to receive the word of God. But two, they examined it. So Paul didn't come in easy either. Paul brought his message in, right? And they studied it to make sure that he, what he was saying was right. They compared it to the Old Testament scriptures. Amen? It's important that we study the word of God. And we're going to see why. First John 4.1 It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because any, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Wow. It says here to test the spirits, right? To make sure that they are from God. In other words, every message that we hear out there ain't always from God. We have to make sure that we know. We have to test the spirits, right? And how do we do that? How can we test the spirit? How can we spot a counterfeit from or, or, or false doctrine from, from real sound doctrine? How can we tell the difference? Well, you know, there's, there's, there's experts that are out there, right, that can spot counterfeit money. There are experts that are out there that can spot counterfeit driver's license, right? And they can tell you that the best way to spot a fake is to study the real thing, not study the fake. Study the real thing. That's what it that and that's that's what we have to do also with the word of God with sound doctrine, right? Study the real thing. Because I believe now more than ever, we need to study God's word. We need to meditate in God's word. Especially now during these times. Amen. First Timothy 4 1 tells us the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Wow. Some would fall fall away, right? They will abandon the faith. This is what Paul Paul is seeing that you know you ain't right. You ain't you ain't acting right. You're not believing right. You're not you're not applying you know the word of God right. You start you're starting to believe something else that ain't right. And it's causing it's causing you to start to fall away. To start to abandon what you were first taught. And so Paul asked him, he says, did you receive the Spirit when you were born again? Was it by works of the law? Was it by, by you doing this or, 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 or refraining from that? No. He says, you received the Spirit. You received the Word simply by faith. It's got nothing to do about what you did or didn't do. He was reminding them that they were born again. But not only that, but that they also received the fullness of the baptism of the their lives, right? They, they didn't even have to earn or work for it, right? It was, it was, it, it was, it was, it was the Lord doing it. The Lord was the one that gave them the Spirit, Amen. And this is what the Lord wants for you and me. 
He doesn't want us to live a defeated life, being tossed to and fro by every false doctrine that comes our way. No. God wants us to live a victorious life, a life that only comes through Christ as we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. Amen? What is all truth? Do we remember that? Remember the Gospel of John? Right? Jesus. Jesus. Right? The way, the truth, and the life. Amen? So Paul was really laying it on them. He was letting them have it because their actions weren't right. They were not reasonable. Amen? They could not start their Christian walk. And this is a message for you and me. Okay? We cannot start our Christian life one way and then continue in a different way. We can't do that. We cannot have both the Holy Spirit and the law. That's what he's telling them. You can't, you can't have both. Okay? So if they were to become mature or if they were to grow, because maybe, you know, as I was reading this passage, I thought to myself, well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay? Let's say maybe that's what they were looking for. Maybe they were looking to, to, to grow in their walk. Maybe they were looking to grow in the faith. Right? Maybe they were looking to mature. Right? And so when someone presented them with this false doctrine about having to get circumcised or having to follow laws, they thought, wow, man, this is something new, you know. So maybe we should take that. But what Paul was stressing right here is that, listen, if you want to become more mature, it's not going to be through your own efforts. It's not going to be through the keeping of the law and, and, and observing religious traditions or rituals. It's not going to be that. The only way that we're going to mature and grow is through the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul is reminding them. He was telling me, he said, listen, you, when you were born again, you received the Spirit. But not only did you receive the Spirit, you received the work, His works, the works of the Spirit, the miracles of the Spirit, working in your lives before you even believed these guys, before you even heard these guys even talk. Right? So in essence, he was saying, he goes like, man, guys, you are making your life harder because you're trying to carry a heavy yoke that you're not able to carry. Even the false teachers, you will see these are Judaizers, or Judaizers, there we go, they were unable to keep the law themselves. And we read about this in Acts. We read about how Paul presented this to Peter and the other apostles. In Acts chapter 15, verses, verse 7 through 11, it says, um, After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God knows the heart. Showed, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts. Now then, why do you test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Powerful. We see here that Paul, I mean Peter, affirms the teaching that Paul was teaching the Galatians, that we are saved by grace through faith, and that God is the one who gives us his Holy Spirit. Amen? But sometimes we act like 
like we're saved by grace through faith and then and then it's all up to us to grow now we kick it in high gear now it's it's time for us to to show up we believe that we get into this christian life by god's grace and then the rest is up to us it's like we're 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 at the midway of that tightrope right and we're saying okay i'll take it from here god no if we use that same tightrope analogy you and i us we became a christian not by thinking that we could cross over that chasm by ourselves no but by placing our trust in christ right to do what we couldn't do for ourselves did they receive the holy spirit because they were circumcised or kept the works of the law no because the holy spirit never takes up residence in our lives because we've cleaned ourselves up doesn't happen like that or because we're good enough no the holy spirit entered our lives when we heard and we received the gospel message by faith amen hallelujah we're not saved by doing that's what paul is saying we're not saved by doing we're saved by hearing we don't become christians by 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 anything you know to, by doing anything to earn god's acceptance right we become christians when we hear the gospel preached and place our faith in Christ. Amen. So given this, Paul asks, having begun in the spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? The answer is no, right? Because Paul, what he's saying right here is, listen, man, the way that you started, that's how you need to finish, right? By grace and not performance. That's how you started. Anything else is ridiculous. Anything else is foolish. Amen. It would be dumb for us to think that we could start one way and finish another. Why? Because God, God is the one who saves us. He's the one who sanctifies us. Right? He fulfills his promise because it's a promise that he gave us. He gave us that promise in the Old Testament. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27, we read, this is God speaking. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Let me read that once again. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. That's salvation. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, salvation. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. That's sanctification. That's God helping us grow. Amen. That's got nothing to do with us doing anything. It's all God doing everything for us. Amen. We are saved by grace. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's look at when I, when I, when I read this, right? You know, I'm, I'm reminded, I'm reminded, you know, when, when Jesus resurrected, okay, when he resurrected and he paid his disciples a visit, ooh, that was something powerful. And we, and we just covered this back in the Gospel of John, right? In the Gospel of John in chapter 20, it says that on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. And said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and, and side. 
The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. With that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. This is right here. This is the process, right? It says that Jesus showed him. He showed him his, his wounds, right? He showed him He showed him his hands and he showed him his side, right? So that, that right there is like the scars of him of him dying, right? This, this is proof that he died for them. But then it says that they were overjoyed when they saw him. What did they see? They saw the risen Christ. So you have Jesus dying. Then you have Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. And it says that they were overjoyed, meaning that they believed it. And what happens? Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit in them. Amen? That's powerful. Then it goes on. Okay? So this is at the point of salvation. So Luke 24, 49 says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed from power on high. Here comes the power, church. Here comes the power. So then we move to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Amen. This is the promise, right? This is the promise that, that, that God gave us. Right from the Old Testament, we see the fulfillment here in the New Testament. Amen. So now that God has has kept His promise, right? He's given us, He's given us His Holy Spirit, right, to live within us and to change us from inside out and to empower us. It would be foolish for us to think that we could ever improve with something new or with a new strategy. It would be foolish, right? It would be. Foolish to think that we could reject the Holy Spirit and rely on our own to rely on our own strength, rely on our own steam to get the job done. Right? Paul says that we are saved by the Spirit, by the Spirit and faith. Amen. And then we progress exactly the same way. Progress by the Spirit working in our lives as we in faith return to the gospel message. And put our full, complete trust in Christ in every area of our lives, church. Amen. Faith is it. It's the only response to God's word, which makes room for the Spirit to work in us and through us. I, I hope that 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 with this right here, you know, the the the, the essential mark of, of 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 being a Christian is not how far we've progressed in sanctification. I hope that's not what we think. But on what are we relying on to get there, church? Ask yourselves these two questions. Are we striving for sanctification by works? Or are we striving for sanctification by faith? Right? But to be clear, Paul, Paul isn't saying that we're just to sit around and passively do nothing. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that we're to sit around, not do anything, and just wait God, for God to change. No. That's not passive at all. The issue here is how we're going to grow, how we're going to change. Amen? And Paul says, he stresses here, that the power to change, the power to grow, doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from the Spirit. It does still take effort, but it's grace-given effort. Amen, church? 
So as, as Christians, we need to relearn the gospel every day. Why? Because each and every one of us is prone to wander. Each and every one of us, this Christian life, man, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a battle. It's a battle to rely on the true gospel. Even us as Christians, we're inclined to look at ourselves and trust in our own achievements rather than relying solely on the cross of Christ. Amen? I mean, we may slowly drift away from the gospel just like the Galatians did. I don't point the finger at the Galatians because I make that same mistake too. And I'm pretty sure some of you do too. The problems that Paul addressed in the Galatians, with the Galatians, it reminds us that the Christian life cannot be lived. It cannot be lived on autopilot. It cannot, it's, it's a daily struggle for us to, to grasp and to hold on to the gospel church. That's the principle that we have to grasp, is that we continue this Christian life the same way that we started it. By grace, through faith, and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the way it is, church. Amen. Let's continue. Verse 6. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Amen. Wow, I love the way Paul now turns to the Old Testament. He turns to an example from Scripture, right? From the Old Testament to support his teaching of salvation by faith alone. Especially for the Jews, right? Because they could hardly, there could hardly be a more important and influential uh, uh, person than Abraham, right? The father of, of the Jews, the father of their nation. You know what I mean? But the question is, is how, how is it that the Galatians, how did they know about Abraham? Well, these false teachers, I mean, the Judaizers could have been, that's probably what they could have been hammering away, right? Their need to become, you know, children of Abraham through circumcision. So we can see that, you know, perhaps the Judaizers were focusing on passages like Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14, I mean, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 14. There we read that God gave Abraham a covenant of circumcision, right? To teach that only those um, and kept the Jewish laws will be acceptable to God. So it is true. It is true that God that God gave, you know, uh, made, made, a, made a covenant with Abraham of circumcision. Okay, we read that in chapter 17. But, there's a big but there, okay? The covenant of circumcision was given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17 after, after the words quoted in verse uh, 6 of chapter 15 of Genesis, where Abraham, it says that Abraham believed God, and so God declared him righteous by his faith. So the circumcision was in chapter 17, right? Which was which was the, 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 the something to do, the law, if we want to call it that, right? Chapter 17, but chapter 15 prior to that, 
two chapters before that, he was already counted righteous. Why? Because he believed God. Okay? So Abraham, the founder of the Jewish nation, right? He was considered righteous, not by works, but because he believed God. And God declared him righteous. To be declared righteous means to be accepted by God. Abraham, I mean, let's think about this, okay? Abraham did not have the Mosaic law. He did not have Moses' law. He did not have the cross of Christ. He did not have the gospel. He did not have salvation that was offered in the New Testament, no. But he was still God's servant. He was acceptable to God and considered righteous because he believed what he knew of God, right? He believed. So Paul was saying that Abraham was saved exactly like you and I are, right? He was saved exactly the same way that we were, not by his own righteousness. And that's the way that God has always operated. He always operates this way. There's not two ways to get to God. There's only one way, and it's through faith, not through good works. Amen? That's why we need faith, right? If we're going to belong to Abraham's family. But this is what I love. Verse 7, it says, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Amen. Scripture foresaw that God would justify Gentiles by faith. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. And announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Someone say all nations. All nations, right? That means Gentiles. That means you and I. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Did you see that? That's twice. That's twice that Paul says that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. He's saying that it's not circumcision that makes you a spiritual child of Abraham. No. Because face it, man, there are many people who are circumcised and that are not part of God's family. Amen? It's, it's faith that makes us part of Abraham's family. And the recipient, that's what he's saying, and the recipient of the promises made to Abraham. So in other words, our, our, our own right standing before God it comes from believing what God has given us in Christ Jesus, right? Everything is through Christ. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by believing in God. There is only one way of salvation. Amen? The Judaizers, man, they were looking at Abraham like, like he was some hero, right? He was a hero to emulate. But let me, let me tell you something, church. Abraham is not the hero here. God is the hero. Amen. Abraham and excuse me, Abraham and every other person, right, that we read about in God's word, every other person that we consider a hero of the faith, right, is actually a recipient, just like you and I are, of God's grace. Amen. We're no different. Okay? They were not good enough, but they were people that trusted God, right? And Paul says that Abraham's true family behaved like him. How? We trust God. That's how God accepts everyone. Everyone who trusts both Jew and Gentile. So Abraham's family is a spiritual family. That's how it always was. 
Praise the Lord. Let's continue. Verse 10, it says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one relies on the law. No one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Thank you, Lord. For it is written, tongue on a pole, or in some other versions, on a tree. He redeemed us that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. That's you and us, you and I. Through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The promise of the Spirit. Amen. Doesn't come through law keeping. If we depend on it to make us right with God, we're in for a shock. Because those who rely on works of the law are actually under a curse. Why? Deuteronomy 27, 26 says everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. When it comes to our standing before a holy God, the only thing that is acceptable is perfection. That's the only thing acceptable. Even on our best days, right? We're nowhere close to being perfect. Nowhere. And unless we obey everything in God's laws, we're under his judgment. His righteous nature demands it. I mean, even, even James says it in chapter 2, verse 11. It says, whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking them all. So let me give you an example, okay? Let's say we got two people that are traveling, okay? Two people that are traveling and they're running late. One misses his plane by an hour. And another misses his plane by one minute. Which man? Neither. Because they both missed the flight. So regardless of, of, of our track record, right? Regardless of our track, re track record of attempting to obey God's commands, our efforts are not good enough because we're not perfect. To meet God's standards, we would have to obey all of the law all of the time, all of our life, even in our thoughts and motivations. Can you do that? I know I can't. Not even 99%. Even if I was good 99%, that's not good enough. It won't cut it. So Paul continues to point to the Old Testament. He continues to show the Galatians, the Jews, he continues to show us, right? That if there was if there is anything clear that justification comes through faith and not through law, we find that in, in, in the book of Habakkuk, right? Chapter 2, verse 4, where it says that the righteous will live by faith. That's in the Old Testament church. That same faith that that saves is the same faith that sanctifies believers, right? It sanctifies those who, who 
who live their lives by faith. The law, on the other hand, you know, says that the righteous, you know, live by doing things. But that's not what faith is. Faith, faith, you know, that saves also sanctifies, right? It sanctifies believers. It sanctifies those that are living by faith. The Mosaic Law, church, the Mosaic Law, or any other fleshly performance of rule-keeping isn't good enough, right? The perfect obedience of the law is impossible. The way, or should I say, the, 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 the law that simply shows us that we're incapable of keeping it, that's what it does. It shows us, man, that, you know, it, it shows us our, 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 our bad condition, but it doesn't give us the, the antidote. It doesn't give us the solution. It only shows us. It only points to us that we're unable. But you know, I'm 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 thankful for for verses 13 and 14. I'm so thankful for it. That tells me right there that because I was so jacked up, that because even on my best day, I wasn't able to meet God's standards, right? And so because I wasn't able to do that, I was cursed. And so me being a person that was cursed, God stepped in. This is what it's telling me. God stepped in. In the midst of my despair, while we were under His curse because of our sin against His law, He sent Jesus to redeem us from the curse of the law. Amen? He sent Jesus. Jesus is our Redeemer. Redemption is a beautiful picture of what Christ did for us. Amen. We read in the Old Testament that a slave could be redeemed for a price and set free. We read that in Leviticus 25. We also read that God redeemed Egypt from slavery. And we also know that Christ redeemed us from sin and death. How? By becoming the curse for us. Amen. On the cross, God took the sin of the world. He took your sin. He took my sin. And he credited all that, all that sin, he credited to Christ's account. He put it on Jesus, man. Jesus took the curse. Jesus took our curse. That he might serve as the, 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 the perfect substitute for us. And he fulfills scripture where it says that cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Wow. He took our curse upon himself. And he nailed it to the cross. He nailed it. Amen. And Paul tells us right here. He tells us God's purpose in all of this. So that we could have the blessing of Abraham. Right? It was the blessing of Abraham that would come to the Gentiles, to us, to you and I, by Christ Jesus. Remember, God promised to bless us. He promised to bless all the nations through Abraham. That's, in, that's including us, us Gentiles. The blessing, the justification by faith comes to the world through, through the seed. Amen? Not the seeds. Not a nation, but through the seed, a person, the descendant of Abraham, Jesus. 
as a result of his work on the cross all people doesn't matter all people who have faith in him can receive the promised Holy Spirit that's a promise given to us amen we cannot inherit we cannot earn we cannot buy the Holy Spirit we can only receive him as a free gift from God through his son Jesus Christ and it's the Spirit's role to perfect the righteousness of Christ who has already fulfilled the law. Jesus was the only one to fulfill the law in the life of the believer who lives by faith. Amen. That's the way that it's always going to be. Amen. I hope that, that you enjoyed this message. I hope that you were blessed uh, with, this, with this word. I know I was. And... Uh, I pray that <clears throat> that God will bless you, that uh, that God will protect you, that God will be with you and guide you. Amen. Um, thank you for for tuning in and for and for uh, allowing me to share God's word to you. Uh, so, if we could, let's go ahead and bow our heads. Let's pray as we close out. Amen. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your wonderful word that you've given us tonight, Lord. We thank you, Father, for reminding us, Lord, the God, that we are saved by grace through faith in the finished work, Lord God, of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary, Father. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your promised Holy Spirit in our lives, Lord, to guide us, to lead us, and to sanctify our lives, Lord. We ask, Lord God, that you would help us each day to meditate on your word, to know and understand, Lord, that we're called to know you. We're called to, to hunger for you, to commune with you, Father. And other than prayer, there's no better way to know and commune with you than to hear your voice, Lord God, in Scripture, in your word, Father. So we ask you to give us discernment, to know the difference between sound and false doctrine, Father. We ask, Father, for forgiveness, Father, when we neglect your word, because we don't just miss knowledge. We miss you, Lord. We are blessed and privileged to worship a God who makes himself known to us, Lord, through the words in Scripture, Father. And it is in the matchless name of Jesus that I pray and let all of God's people say, Amen. God bless you, church. I'll see you on Sunday, Lord willing. Get ready for an awesome time of worship, an awesome time of God's word. Amen. God bless your week. Bye-bye.